Okay. Good morning. Here we are at uh, with the Bears, and uh, of course, they just had to come to this Bible study. You know, they just they had to show up to see what is Rick doing in the woods. Amen. Today is the parable of the wheat and tares, and he deals primarily with uh, what is the mind of Jesus is to the end times. What's going to happen to us as a civilization? How does God works the clock in terms of His appearance on the second coming? The first coming, of course, is when He was born in Bethlehem. The second coming is when He receives unto Himself all the saints of God that are caught in the middle of the air into eternity. And, of course, then uh, uh, we finish the parable. So let's take a look at uh, uh, Matthew chapter... 13, I'm going to ask Andy to help me with this. 13, Matthew 13, beginning with verse 24. Uh, this is Rick Bonfim, Rick Bonfim Ministries in Athens, Georgia. We're so happy to be with you. And people from all over the nation are tuning in. And we're so glad. It says this, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, King James, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. So the kingdom of heaven, what's going to come in eternity, is like a man that sowed good seed in his field, meaning that he, led of the Holy Spirit, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, he planted and watered and grew the faith of thousands. But while he slept... His enemy came, means the enemy of Jesus, came and sowed tares, apostates. Tares here are people who have believed one way due to the political ingredient of the time have changed their manners. You know, there's it's a very famous event of someone that uh, inviting people to communion simply said, you do not need repentance. Well, in other words, we do not need the cross of Calvary uh, as, as a primary focus on repentance. He died to heal us from our sins, and therefore we are healed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by His suffering. We confess Him as Lord, and we are forgiven. And so, and, and, and the enemy sowed tares, which is weed, weed, among the wheat, and went his way. Now, I want you to know that uh, just because a ministry is well-known, that is well-known throughout the world, well-known in America, and there's a lot of money involved, doesn't mean that uh, it can deceive you. Because Satan's focus is to water down the gospel to where those who believe are simply just content to having very little. And the enemy comes, the enemy comes, and the enemy will come. But when the blade was sprung, meaning when the good seed was ready for harvest and brought forth fruit, then appeared tares also. So here they are in the field, and they're doing the harvest. They're cutting at the bottom of the, of the root all the fruit trees and all the plants and all the vegetables and everything else. 
they noticed that there's something wrong. Uh, there's something wrong about uh, there's something wrong about the tares. The tares begin to show up in the midst of the fruit, and that's really interesting because tares and wheat don't go together. And so, so the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did not you sow good seed in your field? From this, then has it tares. Where did it came from? You put good seed in the soil. You harvest the soil, you know, to, to, to plant. You got to clean the soil. You got to make the airs and, and make sure that the seed will go right into the bottom of that, of that, of that little valley. And they covered it. And, and watered and, and springs up and grows up to the year or to the months. And suddenly you have a beautiful plant and the fruits are showing up. And of course, they asked the, 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 the housekeeper, the householder, Sir, where did the tares came from? He said unto them this, and it's an interesting answer here. He said unto them, An enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will you then, will then that we go and gather them up? In other words, what do we do? Do we actually take the tares and the wheat together and gather them out of the ground? What, how do we handle this situation? You have a large field. And you can see the colors on the right going down the bank. It's filled with a lot of Tears. And as the tares begin to move up out of the bank, it mixes with the wheat, and you can see that the, the, the color changes drastically. And you got yourself a problem because you grab that, that wheat, and in your hand you're going to have some tares, and you're going to have some wheat. And so, what do we do? Now, that's a, that's a very, very pointed question to anybody who knows how to plant and work in the farm. How do you do how do you handle something like that? Which is really a major problem with any crop. So he said, no. Gather them up, no. While you gather up the tares, he root up also the wheat with them. The tares here is a, is a false doctrine. It is something that is apropos for the society and the day that you live. And the church seems to melt into that and begin to mix themselves into that as if that is the way to handle the problem. They were to be pointed out. No force was to be used to take them out out of the field. To do so would destroy the wheat also. So let both grow together until the harvest. Now, the harvest... It's a moment when you are about to take back to home all of the good things you have worked for for six to eight to a year. And he said, and Jesus said to them this, let both grow together until the harvest. Now, is this apropos for the time? Oh, you're, you're talking about Jesus in, in, in Jericho, Jesus in Bethsaida, Jesus in Capernaum. These are farm towns. You're talking about northern Israel, southern Israel. The, the, the farmer was critically important to the 
ability of, of Israelites to grow and eat and prosper. You're talking about major, major problem when you have tares in the midst of the field. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers. First of the Lord performing this all-important text because only He has the wisdom and ability to separate the two. That's one of my, my greatest concerns. I want to be a blessing to you. I want to have my sins poured upon you. I want, I want to have my sins to be confessed daily and commit myself to a su- surprise ministry, empowered ministry, renewed ministry. As God speaks, and I'll do it. But the Lord is simply saying, gather it both, get it together first the tares. So the actual idea here is that as the tares and the wheat grow to maturity, they stick it out in the, in, in the field, and as the sun shines, you notice that they are now mature. And it's much easier to detect grown tares than Young tares. The young tares have no height, no specificity. It doesn't grow the way it is supposed to. But as they come to the point where the wheat is to be harvested, the tares separate themselves automatically. Gather it together first, the tares. And bind them in a bundle to burn them. But gather the wheat into the barn. I want to read to you some scripture today of what the Lord is actually saying to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Because to understand this concept of what the Lord is saying, gather first the tares, gather first the tares, He is talking about some serious business here. He is really saying something that is very important to the church today. Because there will be a time in the life of the world to where the church will be made of tares. Very little wheat down there. I went into a South Georgia church. And I saw the congregation was very resistant to my presence. They wasn't friendly. They quite weren't there to listen to me. They already said no by the way they looked at me. And so I sort of... a understood and took my position and let them have it. But I looked up to the choir congregation in the balcony and there was a lady in the last roll of chairs at the, at the top of the, uh, of, of, the, of the place where they overlooked the congregation. And she had her hands sticking up in the air. And she was worshiping the Lord and singing. And of course, after the service, I shook her hand. And I found out that uh, she was the only one who could praise the Lord. And she had to be on the balcony because if they saw her lifting their hand, they didn't appreciate that. And the high board meeting, the, 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 they all got together. And they said to her, you can't stay in our church, but you've got to go in the back and worship. Them. That's how Ter thinks. Ter's a type of philosophy that removes the freedom from worship. Removes the freedom from being free to worship. Another example I have you about the tares in the, uh, in the wheat. 
comes from a rekindled the flame conference about 30 years ago. And up front was a woman, very short. Her name is uh, Mary Blanche Rice. And she would go this way. She'd go, move up, and she'd move back. And then she'd move up again, and she'd move back. And she had a veil over her head, and she kept on going back and forth and back and forth. And, of course, her, her, her husband, Bob, came to me and said, Rick, I need to talk to you. I give you $100. If you stop her from doing that, it embarrasses me to no end. And I feel like somehow I married a crazy woman. And so I opened in First Thessalonians chapter, chapter 4. And I explained to him what I'm going to explain to you this morning. <laughs> because she was praying for him. You see, Bob sat in the back pew of the Hurricane of the Flame every year and never made a decision to go forward. So suddenly, we are experiencing in the church today a lot of people who love to be loved and respected by the congregation because they do not do anything that distinguishes themselves in worship. I had a privilege of going to Peru this last year. And as we ministered to a group of 250 pastors, Jennifer Obama began to pray and minister to the women in their pain. And the women began to wail and to cry and to yell and to scream and to fall on the floor, yelling. The women had enough. The women had enough. And the district superintendent couldn't do anything but hide himself inside of his suit because right there is his wife screaming, had enough, had enough of rejection, had enough of abuse, had enough of this and this and that. And as the ministry continued during three or four days, the women was liberated, healed, delivered, came forward. And God did a mighty healing in that conference. So let's take a look what the Lord is talking about. Gather the wheat, gather the first, gather the tares into bundles. And then get the wheat into the barn. That is uh, 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 very important. So let's take a look. Let's take a look. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, believers that have died. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Uh, in other words, don't let your sorrow continue to be the primary element of you losing your wife or a husband. Get over. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the very foundation of Christian Christianity, that death and resurrection of Christ is the proof of life and death in a glorified state for all saints in that life, which incidentally will never end. Heaven will never end. It's not a two-week revival at Asbury. It will be forever worship and praise before the face of the Lord. Even so, then also, which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with Him. Now, this refers to the church meeting Jesus in the air. Some people call this the rapture. And, of course, some believe in the rapture. Some do not believe in the rapture. I do believe in a gathering with the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter, chapter 2. I do believe in that. Even so, also, which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with Him. So, so the resurrection is, is all believers. Meaning, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, at death, 
at death. I'm reading this. At death, the soul in the spirit of the child of God instantly goes to be with Jesus. Philippians 1, 1.23 While the physical body goes in back to dust. At the rapture, God will replace what was the physical body with a glorified body. Pay attention. Pay attention. At, 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 the, at the rapture, God will replace the physical body with the glorified body. United with the soul and the spirit. In fact, soul and spirit of each individual who accompanied the Lord down close to this earth and be united in a glorified body which will then make the believer whole. So, God will replace which was physical body with a glorified body. That just excites me. Oh my goodness gracious, I'm telling you that my body will be changed into a glorified body. That will be a wonderful thing. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So all believers who are alive at the rapture shall, shall all believers, this refers to the fact that the living saints will not precede or go before the dead saints. First, those who are in Christ, those who are alive and those who are asleep. That is what the Apostles' Creed says. Now, that's Acts chapter 11, chapter 1, verse 11. Let's go to Acts, just, 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 just to start, Acts chapter 11. The same Jesus which the angels proclaim will come down with the Lord, Acts 1, 11. Take a look, Acts 1, 11. Chapter 1, it's easy to find chapter 1 because... You can't go any further. Chapter 1, verse 11. It says this, Which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which was taken up from, the, from you in heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so, as the Lord ascended into heaven, so he will return into heaven. Now that's the beginning of the millennium to where Jesus will rule in the city of Jerusalem. If you've never been to Jerusalem, you will have to go. You will have to go. Now, it says this, the voice, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. I don't know if God's going to throw the, blow the trumpet. Uh, not necessarily so. But, but there will be a trumpet playing. And there will be the archangel, which is my case is Michael. Uh, and, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Say with me, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Ooh. The criteria for being ready for the rapture is to be in Christ, is to be in Jesus, is to know Him as your Lord, as your Savior. What is the problem with the Catholics? The problem with the Catholics is that they substituted the worship to Jesus through worshiping the Virgin Mary. And of course, that is our main point of disagreement because only Jesus died, only Him resurrected from the dead. There's nothing in the Bible that says that Mary uh, was resurrected also. Nothing of a sort. And so we have to clear that again. Okay? 
which means that all who are truly born again will definitely be in the rapture. You have to be born again. You have to have a meeting with Jesus. You have to have a confrontation with Jesus. You have to have an encounter with the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And many of you, not all of you, many of you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Why that's necessary? Because that is how you deal with tares. You, not, not, not any born again can deal with tares. But spirit-filled people can deal with tares. And so, verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. So that that is first. <laughs> That's a sweet thing, isn't it? That's a sweet thing. So my, grand, my father is going to rise first. Mary Lucy will rise first. My mother will rise first. My family that have died and passed away, you know, I went to Kaichi Tebaia. Oh, Lord Jesus. Up in the Sertão da Bahia, and there's no rain. It's just dry land. And there's a town there called Kaichite, where my father was born. I came close to it. I didn't go there, but I came close to it for the first time in my life. And, and there, and there, my father's going to be first. Amen. Imagine now, you that's been crying about someone died in your family, they're first. Whoo! Whoo! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Rising from the dead, ascended into heaven, into eternity. Oh, God Almighty, that's going to be a day to remember. So, what does the Lord says? For the Lord Himself, then look, shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now, the same Jesus which we're talking about here in Acts 1, 11, uh, 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 with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, which means all who are truly born again. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, shall be raptured. Dead first, and then second us who are just looking around, seeing bodies rising up. <laughs> Imagine, you know, we're standing up, it's a beautiful sunny, bright day, suddenly past a, past a body going up, psh, psh, psh. <laughs> Those bears down there uh, are just <laughs> staring at me. Oh, please don't move them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Together with them in the clouds, we shall, we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Clouds of saints, not clouds as normally think of such, because as you have a million saints that looks like a cloud, by the way, the word caught up in the air is a Greek word that means lower atmosphere or from about 6,000 feet down. Air. 6,000 feet down because after, th- after 6,000 feet, 6, feet up, you've got to have oxygen. That's why, that's why planes fly at 10,000 feet. Because at 10,000 feet, they have a chance to get some air and be able to breathe. And the problem is not as much. Amen. And so, here we go. So the Lord will come at least 6,000 feet of the earth, perhaps even lower. And all the saints meeting Him there. Folks, a lot of you are calling me right now. I can't answer the phone. So if it is about 9, 930, you know, my, my telephone number is just singing away. And I can't answer because I'm talking to you. Amen? 
So pass the word. Pass. Don't call me between 9 and 9.30. Easter standard time. So here you go. At that time, will he not come all the way to the earth, but waiting the second coming, which will be about seven or more years. And so in the midst of the tribulation, okay, the midst of the tribulation, Jesus, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus will come. It will be December 30th, December 30th, at 12.01, the Lord will come to the earth and remain here for a thousand years. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. What a glorious day that will be when Jesus sits on the throne in Jerusalem and worships and prays God and we'll bow Him before Jesus. Oh, my goodness, that's going to be a day to remember, to remember. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. Comfort you. Pray, brother. Continue to work hard. Continue to witness. Ah, now, I want to say a word to you. There's a revival in Auburn, uh, Asbury Theological Seminary up in Wilmore, Kentucky. I want you to know that I've been in revival for 40 years. I've been in revival for 40 years. And uh, I've been worshiping the Lord for 40 years. I've been in His presence for 40 years. And revival is all over Brazil. Revival is all over America these days. I've been praying for 40 years that God will shake this nation to the Pope to where all the tares will die standing. Amen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. In the name of Jesus, I reprimand any thought that you have arrived. I reprimand any thought that causes you to doubt the fear of the Lord. I reprimand any idea that inside of you, you have need of no help to anybody else. By the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I come against every thought process that causes you to be above and, 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 and filled with pride and anger and, re- and retaliation, thinking that your emotional, unstable faith will be able to do and to handle and to, and, to, and to share and to be born again. I pray, God, that my brothers, my sisters that are listening to me this morning will be convicted that the day that Jesus points Himself in the air comes down with a shout, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout in a voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. In that all-glorious day, all of us, every single one of us that are born again and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ will meet the Lord in the, and be with Him forever. So let me ask you this. You're going to be at the rapture. Spend seven years in, in, in heaven. At the end of seven years, you'll come back to the earth and the clouds were filled with billions and billions and trillions of saints and angels everywhere. I don't know how many angels are in heaven, but there will be a lot of saints in heaven. Millions and billions and billions. And it looks like clouds, but it is, it is the glorified saints. And they will be waving, singing, hallelujah. A music that will go around the earth at the, at the corner of each, each, each country. There will be millions and millions coming to Christ. Just like this last weekend uh, in Madison Square Garden, filled with people praising the Lord. Just like this weekend up in New York City, where Madison Square Garden and all the area around it was filled with saints worshiping the Lord. It was in the news this morning on Fox News that, that there's a revival 
in America that is going all, all over the place. I hope that you prepare for that great meeting. It'll be a great revival. And as you look at the sky, you, you don't know where it ends. It's, it's from horizon to horizon. Thousands and millions and billions of saints. And you will be caught up in the air. <clears throat> to be, you'll come down with Jesus. So at the beginning of tribulation, you'll be, you'll be raptured. At the end of the tribulation, you'll come down with Jesus. And you'll be with Him forever and ever and ever. The Lord bless you. This is Rick Bonfim. Our address is 1711 Merriweather Drive, Watkinsville, Georgia, 30622. Our telephone number is 706-353-1546. i like for you one more time, 706-353-1546. I'd like to invite you to partake with us of our mission trips throughout the world. We're heading to Israel on the 23rd of March, returning on the 1st of April. We're heading to Brazil on the 5th of June, returning on the 16th of June. We're going to Brazil on the 20th of June, returning on the 30th of June. We're going to rekindle the Flame Conference at Mount Bethel Church in Marietta, Georgia, on the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th of July. And, of course, in the month of uh, October, we're heading back to uh, uh, a place that uh, has really blessed us, which is Salvador Bahia. And, of course, Cuba in November. The Lord bless you and keep you, makes His shine upon you and give you peace. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Jesus is coming back.